Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a midsize SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower hybrid max powertrain on limited and platinum trims, delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you can always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash grandhighlander. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hoyas, the picture of paradise. It was a magical place. The water was, quote, so pure it could quench any thirst. And as if that weren't enough, chunks of gold lined the riverbeds. The trees were ripe with fruit, and the soil was so fertile that a farmer could have three maize harvests a year or grow cash crops such as sugar or tobacco without hardship. This, according to Scottish swindler Gregor McGregor, could all be yours. If you considered investing in his property located in present-day Honduras. He knew about Poyez, you see, because he was, he claimed, the cazique of the nation, a figure similar to a native chief in other Spanish-speaking nations nearby, and, for what it's worth, similarly spelled as well. In the early 1820s, Gregor ran one of history's most successful and imaginative cons. He invented his own country, and then conned investors into buying the bonds of a country that did not exist. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarki. And I'm Holly Fry. What Poyez lacked, McGregor stated, were willing investors and settlers to develop it and leverage its resources to their fullest. British investments in South America, which, by the way, at this point was this catch-all term for what is now Latin America, everything that was not the United States, essentially, South. These investments were gaining in popularity. Several countries that had gained independence from Spain 
were looking for help financing their nascent governments. Chile and Colombia, for instance, sold bonds totaling roughly between $100 million and $200 million, that's in today's money values, promising 6% in annual returns through the profits from state-run agriculture and mineral industries. Without any current means of revenue, such as a mineral industry, Gregor assured potential investors that funding would come from the country's future inhabitants. And he recruited. Hard. He published interviews about Poyas in national newspapers and magazines, advertising the perks that would come from investing in or colonizing his land. He engaged publicists to write marketing materials, advertisements, and brochures, and you heard some of their work in our opening segment. While he engaged British investors for cash, he targeted his fellow Scots for would-be colonists and wrote that, quote, the Scottish Highlanders were known for their hardiness and adventurous spirit. And he argued that Poyez would be the, quote, ultimate testing ground, a challenge and gift all in one for an adventurer. Poyers, the term Gregor used for those indigenous to the land, were described by him as friendly and hardworking people. And he referred to them as, quote, complementary labor for the settlers. Now, note that these people were real people who were not part of his imagination. They were not called poyers, and they were most certainly not complementary labor. In reality, an indigenous population known as the Miskitu were native to the area, and they weren't really part of Gregor's plan. The capital of Poyez, a town named St. Joseph, Gregor described as a European-style settlement that was so sophisticated it even had an opera house. Marketing materials claimed that the land was, quote, one of the most healthy and beautiful spots in the world. And to bring it all together, he had Poyez ballads composed and sung along the streets of London, Edinburgh, and Glasgow. But before we get too far into this con, let's talk about who this guy, Gregor McGregor, was. Gregor was a native of Glengale, Scotland, born on December 24, 1786, and raised in a privileged Scottish family. He attended top schools. At 16, his family purchased him a commission in the British Army, and he was, very briefly, deployed in the Peninsular War. Mostly, his military accounts of being in the British Army, though, include a lot of waiting around. Around this time, too, he married a woman named Maria Bowater, the daughter of a Navy admiral whose family was among Britain's finest. The newlyweds settled in Edinburgh, and Gregor immediately began using his new wife's wealth and privilege to fast-track his way through the ranks of the army. He paid 900 pounds to become a captain, Without that payoff, that promotion would have otherwise taken him several years to accomplish. He and his wife often toured the city, fashionably dressed in their extravagant coach, and Gregor continued to focus on bettering his social status. In 1811, the couple moved to London, where he began calling himself Sir Gregor McGregor, with the Bart designation after it, so he could falsely identify himself as a baronet and added false claims of dukes and barons in his family tree. But the thing was, he was starting to receive the level of respectability that he desired among London's high society. He wanted it from any high society, really. But then in December of that year, Maria passed away, and upon her death, Gregor lost the financial support of her well-heeled family. 
His only real experience, other than spending his in-laws' money, was as an officer in the military. So after his wife's death, he turned his interest back to battle. This time, though, in the colonial revolts against Spanish rule in South America, particularly fighting in and around Venezuela. Britain supported the independence of the South American colonies from Spain, knowing it would destabilize Spanish power, and Venezuelan revolutionary General Francisco de Miranda had been celebrated during a recent visit to London. It was on the heels of those circumstances when McGregor imagined a new, exotic adventure for himself. Cut off from his former in-laws in spirit and in finances, he sold the Scottish estate he'd inherited and sailed for Venezuela via Jamaica in early 1812. His plan was to offer himself as a fighter, a mercenary in the Venezuelan War of Independence against Spain. And he did. Upon arrival, he introduced himself as Sir Gregor McGregor, a former British Army officer. He was given the rank of colonel and given command of a cavalry battalion, a command he held between the years 1812 and 1816. The same year he arrived in Venezuela, Gregor married again, and again into a wealthy family. His bride, Doña Josefa Antonia Andrea Aristegueta y Lovera, was the daughter of a prominent Caracas family, and she was a cousin of the revolutionary Venezuelan military and political leader, Simón Bolívar. Gregor quickly rose to the rank of general, general of division in the army of Venezuela under Bolívar, and led a series of independent military campaigns in the Caribbean. One of his most notorious actions came in 1817 when he raised a small army and briefly captured Florida's Amelia Island from the Spanish. He proclaimed it to be, albeit very short-lived, the Republic of the Floridas. In 1819, he oversaw two operations in New Grenada, now part of Venezuela, each one its own calamity. It was there where he made a name for himself, not as a revolutionary or a legendary fighter. Rather, he made a name as a coward when he not once but twice abandoned his troops, leaving them to be killed in battle or executed while he fled to safety. In 1820, Michael Rafter, the brother of William Rafter, who was one of the soldiers who served under McGregor's command in Venezuela, published a tell-all book that told all of the details of McGregor's military ineptitude. Basically, if you wanted to write a book that would make McGregor look like a bad leader, this book did just that. Stated Michael, quote, that any person could be induced again to join him in his desperate projects would be to conceive a degree of madness and folly of which human nature, however fallen, is incapable. Despite his rapid climb in ranks in the Venezuelan army, there is no record that McGregor was a particularly good military leader. But there's plenty on record that he was good at deception. We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and when we return, we'll talk about how he scammed enough people to fill multiple ships with potential Poyas settlers. When it comes to makeup looks, I really like full glam, but I also often just need an easy day look, and Thrive Cosmetics has been my go-to. I also travel a lot. I'm really guilty of lugging around way too much makeup in my suitcase, and I'm trying to curb that habit, and Thrive's brilliant eye brightener is the key to the whole thing. So instead of packing a bunch of palettes that I may or may not use, 
I can just throw a few of these slim sticks in my bag and I get all the shimmer and shadow I'm looking for. I streamline my packing. I can blend them together. They blend like butter. And you can layer different colors to get something truly unique. And then you just have your look all pulled together. Your eyes are brighter. You look well-rested. And you look really pretty glam for a very easy look. Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. It's easy to see why they get so many five-star reviews. And even better, they give back to communities. For every product that you purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. So you look great and you can feel great about how you got there. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 20% off your first order. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here.
Welcome back to Criminalia. Okay, let's talk land. In talking about the imaginary country of Poyez, it's really easy to forget that there was real land involved here. So where and when and how did McGregor come upon the land he called Poyez? Some sources suggest he purchased acreage from the Miskatu or from other unnamed interested parties. There's not a lot of detail in those accounts. Most accounts, though, explain how he came to find Poyez as so. While fighting in Venezuela, Gregor befriended a man named George Augustus, who also happened to be known as George Frederick Augustus I, king of the Miskatu people. The king gifted to Gregor acre upon acre of land in his Mosquito Coast territory. According to most reports, the Miskatu people knew the land was crap. It was very pretty, but it was inhospitable. Gregor officially looked on as King George Frederick Augustus I of the Mosquito Coast at Cape Gracias a Dios in April of 1820 signed a document granting McGregor and his heirs a swath of territory in exchange for, not money, no, in exchange for rum and jewels. But there's a catch here. The land didn't belong to him, not really. It fell under the dominion of the British-aligned Mosquito government. George couldn't give it to him, and Gregor didn't own what he got, but on that day in April, no one cared, and McGregor named the land Poyez. Upon return to a civilian life in England in 1821, Gregor continued to build his reputation among London's high society, based on a lot of fabricated stories. Stories like, he was the head of Clan McGregor, or he was also known as His Serene Highness Gregor I, Sovereign Prince of the State of Poyez and its Dependencies, and Kazik of the Poyer Nation. Gregor's wife began using the self-styled title Princess of Poyez. To the London elite, Poyez sounded just far away enough to be a plausible place, and one that absolutely needed colonizing. Gregor and his wife quickly became honored dinner guests. At one point, they were in such demand that they were invited to attend an official reception at the Guildhall hosted by the Lord Mayor of London. While in London, though, McGregor did not slack. I mean, it wasn't all meats and sweets there. He opened Poyez for business, and he worked hard to make his story credible. He organized a parliament for his invented country, as well as a banking system. He reportedly got British newspapers to detail bond prices for Poyez, as they did for real countries. And he even orchestrated the issue of a Poyesian government loan on the London Stock Exchange. Gregor could produce documents, very convincing documents, about Poyez, including a handwritten land grant, an illustration of its national flag which featured two unicorns, charts and maps showing the country's borders, and a copy of the proclamation he had made to those native to the region before he left for Europe. These faked documents worked particularly well on getting investors to invest. Gregor began selling land titles to Britons who were hoping to find fortune in a new colony. While he peddled bonds to the wealthy across the salons of London, as we mentioned earlier, he sought and found his potential settlers in Scotland, where he sold land at a shilling an acre to interested parties. Although, as excitement about Poyez spread, he increased the price of land from one shilling per acre to four shillings per acre. By autumn, investors had claimed 200,000 pounds worth of bonds 
at a 6% rate of return. That is not adjusted for today's equivalent, but if we tried to, it'd be more than 2 million pounds. In addition to land for sale, Gregor had jobs also for sale. For instance, a cobbler from Edinburgh bought himself the title of official shoemaker of Poyez. Commissions in the Poyez military were also for sale for those who were among the wealthier settlers. Others were lured with good jobs, such as bankers, merchants, and government employees. What they all had in common was that most of them had invested their life savings into this venture. Some had converted all of their cash into Poyez currency, which MacGregor had started printing in Scotland. From 1821 to 1837, MacGregor attempted to draw British and French, but we're going to get to that in a minute, investors and settlers to his imaginary little corner of the world. The Economist noted that MacGregor, quote, had some very dangerous personality traits. He was a dreamer, convinced that he was descended from an Inca princess. This made his plan to lead a country feel quite normal, even a birthright. He was narcissistic, he was grandiose, and he was fond of bestowing grand titles, medals, and other decorations on himself. His biographer, David Sinclair, in the book The Land That Never Was, describes McGregor as a man who, quote, never let a good idea wither away because of a few technical difficulties. Because this was quite a con, let's take a look at Gregor's skill in con artistry techniques. He used reciprocity, which basically means he convinced people that if they invested with him, he would give them, in return, the opportunity of a lifetime. He also used a technique that experts call social validation. In this instance, he's selling his victims on the fact that, we're paraphrasing him here, They will be the most Scottish of Scottish and the most respected among Scottish. He also used scarcity, a technique that often sounds like, act now before you miss out on this great deal. No one wants to miss out on the deal of a lifetime, and if you, the victim, don't secure your land, someone else is going to get it first, and then there goes your chance at greatness. And finally, he brought in an authority a Captain Thomas Strangeways, who should be trusted because, well, just trust him. Listen, we're going to talk about Thomas in just a minute. Additionally, writing for the BBC, author Maria Konnikova has discussed McGregor's use of two specific techniques common among con artists and describes them as so. The first, make whatever you're selling look really appealing. So for McGregor, that meant selling palm trees and white sandy beaches to people living among the damp, heather-covered moors of Scotland. The second, overcome any resistance by taking action. According to Konnikova, quote, McGregor published interviews in national papers, for instance, touting the perks that would come from investing or settling in Poyez. He highlighted the bravery and fortitude that such a gesture would demonstrate. You would be a real man. Potential investors with lingering doubts were pointed in the direction of a 300-plus page guidebook called Sketch of the Mosquito Shore, which told the story of English settlers establishing the town of St. Joseph and prospering on the territory of Poyez in the 1730s. Its author concluded the new country would, quote, rapidly advance in prosperity and civilization. It was written by Captain Thomas Strangeways, who was described as, quote, 
Captain 1st Poyer Regiment and aide-de-camp to His Highness Gregor Kazik of Poyez. But there was no Captain Strangeways. He was actually just Gregor using a pseudonym. He contacted everyone he could think of in London who had the means to invest in the phony Poyez territory. In June of 1821, Gregor penned a note to a Mr. Nathan Mayer Rothschild. And before we read this letter, you're going to see that it has some problematic language dating from its time period. But you're also going to see Gregor using some very classic fraudster tricks like the ones we just discussed, including appealing to known interests of his target while remaining deliberately vague about the details of his request. Quote, from Gregor McGregor of Poyez to N.M. Rothschild Esquire, written from Donaghy, Ireland, I have the honor to acquaint you that I arrived here with my family from South America about three weeks ago. My letter book being on board of another vessel with my papers, I am unable to refer to the date of my letter to you from Santa Martha, enclosing the little deed for the grant of land upon the Zacosilian River in the territory of Poyez, the proposed situation of the projected Hebrew colony. I shall not at present enter into any details upon the subject until I learn from yourself you approve of the plan. In the meantime, I propose from procuring in Germany and Poland some 20 or 30 industrious agricultural Hebrew families to send out to Poyez, supplying them at the same time with provisions and everything else they may want for the first 12 months. It is proper to observe that the state of Poyez is disposed to remain perfectly neutral during the existing contest between Spain and her colonies. I propose making the harbor of Port Royal a free port, which will immediately give it a considerable trade, as there is no port to leeward of Jamaica for reception of American produce. So Rothschild, the recipient of this letter, was a top-tier financier, and there is no evidence he ever invested in or promoted or was even interested in McGregor's scam. But that can't be said for hundreds of others who did probably get missives like this and invested their savings in fake Poyesian government bonds and land certificates. Altogether, Gregor sold enough land to fill multiple ships with settlers, and every cent that people put into Poyez lined his pockets. We are going to take a break for a word from our sponsor right now, and when we return, we will talk about when Gregor decided to take the Kazik of Poyez scam to France. of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. 
Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. You need a vehicle that can meet your family's needs, and Toyota has you covered. Introducing the first-ever Grand Highlander, a midsize SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander never makes you choose between passengers and cargo. You can fit both with ease. With three spacious rows and available seating for up to eight, and leg room that makes even long trips comfortable. With Grand Highlander's available 362-horsepower hybrid max powertrain on limited and platinum trims, you can be confident that you have the power, acceleration, and efficiency needed for almost any adventure your family can cook up. And you'll get where you're going in style with a modern, spacious cabin that's perfect for both playdates and date nights. Impressive tech upgrades take the new Grand Highlander to the next level, including a standard digital key, an available panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen. Don't just live life. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a Chill Mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on Chill Mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about the destiny of the vessels chartered to take settlers to their new home in Poyez and the destiny of the settlers themselves. Through his legation of Poyez, Gregor chartered vessels to take settlers to their new colony. But let's back up just a quick minute, though, because con games are typically financially ruinous for the victim, but they don't usually play at a level like this one did, where deaths are involved. Gregor McGregor's swindle led to the deaths of nearly 200 people. You want to know why he would take his scam as far as actually moving real people to a place that he knew was not a place they could live? We want to know that too. But experts in such matters only have speculation for us all. 
After his death, some have theorized that perhaps he came to believe the fabrications of his cons as real. Another theory out there is that he saw his colonists as pawns and not as people. But we just don't, and we just can't know. So, those ships. There were four in total that Gregor readied for Poyez. On September 10th, 1822, a ship called the Honduras Packet was the first vessel to depart, and it sailed from London carrying 70 settlers on board. Among those passengers included doctors, lawyers, and one banker. Just a few months later, on January 22nd, 1823, the Kennersley Castle left Leith Harbor in Scotland, carrying almost 200 settlers. According to some passenger reports, McGregor greeted the passengers aboard the Kennersley Castle and allegedly gave free passage to the women and children making the voyage. A passenger named James Hasty, who was moving to Poyez with his wife and two children, recalled in his memoir, quote, We gave him a salute of six guns and three cheers. Little did we anticipate the misfortunes which were afterwards to befall us. The third ship, the Albion, never made it to Poyez. It diverted to Belize upon discovering that the settlers from the first two ships had abandoned their encampment. The Skane, the fourth ship, was loaded with arms and supplies, and it also diverted to Belize for the same reason. The Honduras packet and the Kennersley Castle made it directly to Poyez. Two months after sailing across the Atlantic Ocean, passengers gathered on the deck of the Kennersley Castle for their first view of their new home. And it appeared to be immaculate. The sun was glistening in the shallow blue waters. Mahogany trees drooped themselves over sandy beaches. Wrote Hasty, quote, It had a very beautiful appearance from the sea. As had many of his fellow passengers, Hasty had signed a contract with the Poesian government to work as a laborer. Other passengers had cashed in their belongings in Europe for the opportunity to establish themselves as wealthy colonists in the Caribbean Sea. But, as Hasty and his fellow colonists very quickly discovered, Poyez was not a paradise. Imagine the overwhelming disappointment that must have hit them when they saw the reality that was their new home. They were expecting Eden, but this promised land was a wasteland. It was desolate. It was nearly impossible, maybe totally impossible, to cultivate. There were no roads or ports or infrastructure. There was no town. There were no developments. Where was St. Joseph's? Where were the promised banks and schools and the opera house? The land's actual name, they learned, wasn't even Poyez, but rather they had been brought to the Mosquito Coast Territory. At first, the colonists assumed that they had perhaps been accidentally brought to the wrong location, but no. Remaining passengers from the Honduras packet were seen surviving in makeshift huts. Instead of what Gregor had promised, they found only dense, insect-infested jungle. They also discovered that the land titles that were sold to them by Gregor were completely fraudulent. Remember that part we talked about earlier about how the land was under the dominion of the British-aligned Mosquito government when it was gifted by the king to Gregor? Yeah, that's a little problem. Gregor did not have permission to sell this land, and that meant that those colonists were actually there illegally. Some of the settlers survived for a short time on the provisions that were remaining on the ships. But when rainy season brought with it even more insects, they knew they were in serious trouble. 
yellow fever, malaria, and other tropical diseases really destroyed the community. Colonist Hasty shared, quote, sickness and despondency was so general that few were able or willing to make any exertion. Roughly two-thirds of the original colonists died before help came. That finally arrived in May of 1823 when a British ship arrived from a nearby colony in Belize. By the end of August 1823, newspapers across Britain began to publish reports that Poyez may not be what everyone had thought and that the Balby paradise looked like it was actually an investment scam. Though some survivors resettled in local, more livable areas, most were returned to England by the Royal Navy. Hasty and his wife survived, but their children did not. Of the settlers, reported one Scottish newspaper, quote, they had evidently undergone extreme suffering and illness as their appearance was ghastly and cadaverous. When the survivors of the Poyas Khan returned to Britain, though, they didn't blame the guy who'd swindled them. In fact, when passengers from the Kennersley Castle read news coverage about Poyas, they became angered about the story that was being told. They reportedly marched into Mansion House, a seat of the London government, and signed an affidavit stating they believed Gregor McGregor had done nothing wrong and had in no way deceived them. They believed, according to their document, that he too was a victim. McGregor and his wife left London in October of 1823 saying that they planned to winter in Italy for Josefa's health. Their actual destination was Paris, where Gregor intended to continue running his fake country. He immediately got back to work on the Kazik of Poyez scam. He published a new constitution, and he secured a new bank loan as his initial investment had evaporated. And just as before, he began recruiting investors and settlers. But when the French government saw a flood of applications requesting travel to a country that no one in the government had ever heard of, a commission was formed to look into it. Gregor's fictional country did not pass scrutiny, and he was arrested. He was tried for fraud and conspiracy, but was acquitted due to lack of evidence. McGregor continued using his Poyez swindle and continued getting away with it for years. In 1827, so four years after he sent those people on ships to nowhere, he resurfaced in London, issued a new bond, and started selling bogus Poyez land certificates. Again! This time he was arrested, but he was not jailed. After a brief return to Edinburgh, he fled once more, pursued not by authorities, but by the wrath of the original Poyez surviving bondholders. See, in the middle of Gregor's con, South American bonds faltered. Countries were spending their money financing military conflicts rather than paying back their debts, and Poya's investors grew skeptical of their promised financial return. In fact, many declined to pay the new installments they owed for their bond purchases. The overall big picture here, though, is that this wasn't just something that impacted Gregor. This was a contributing factor to what became known as the Financial Panic of 1825. Just two years later, nearly every Central and South American bond issued had fallen into default. South American countries stabilized and started making interest payments again by the 1840s, but, of course, that doesn't include Poyez, since it wasn't a real place. McGregor, though, had spent enormous amounts of money on marketing Poyez, on voyages to the Mosquito Coast, 
and on his own extravagant lifestyle in general. And if his investors stopped payments, his cash flow was cut off. By 1828, McGregor, selling certificates entitled the holders to, quote, land in Poyez proper, suddenly found himself with competition. Other con artists had jumped into his game, and some had even set up their own Poyezian offices offering land debentures in Poyez. That's right, they didn't even bother to make up their own countries, they just piggybacked off of McGregor's lie. He couldn't exactly call him on it. Six years later, in 1834, McGregor was living in Edinburgh and he was still selling fake land titles. His wife, Josefa, died on May 4, 1838. And that seems to be around the same time that Gregor finally abandoned his fake country story and left it as that land was when he found it, desolate and undeveloped. He returned to Venezuela, where he applied for citizenship as well as for restoration to his former rank in the Venezuelan army, including back pay and a pension. Simón Bolivar had died years earlier in 1830. The Venezuelan state ruled in his favor, and he was confirmed as a Venezuelan citizen with a military pension for his participation in the country's wars of independence. When McGregor died in 1845, he had never been found guilty of a single crime. Not one. Please tell me that you named his drink desolate and undeveloped. <laughs> no, I thought of many names for it. I bet there's a lot of good naming stuff in here. So I'm curious what comes with our scam sauce this week. I almost called it the self-delusion. I almost wanted to call it ghastly and cadaverous. Yes, yes, a good turn of phrase. But what I ended up calling it was Poesian Nectar. This one is one of those things that is intended to be a little bit unexpected, as you'll see by one ingredient. The sand. Sorry. No. no, I would never. <laughs> the trick is you want to keep it delicious. Right, right. Not crunchy. No. I thought about how funny it would be to make just an awful tasting drink, but that's no fun <laughs> and that's wasteful. Poesia nectar is pretty easy to throw together and there's a version of it. You don't have to include the ingredient that makes it go <laughs> and pertinent to our story. Good to know. So it starts with an ounce of rum. You can use spiced rum if you want, but if you just have regular rum, that's fine. An ounce of amaretto, four ounces of pineapple juice, and just like a splash of agave nectar or a simple syrup. Because basically we're making a delicious tropical drink. You can drink it just like that if you want. You can throw some club soda or ginger ale on top if you want to make like more of a long sipper than a tighter cocktail. However. What I really wanted to do was take this drink that tasted very much like what you would imagine a delicious drink in some sort of Caribbean wonderland to taste like, and then make it go in a slightly strange direction that was still yummy, but you're like, something doesn't fit here. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it still tastes good, but this is not a tropical delicious drink. It's just an, it's an odd, difficult to place drink. So to that, that list that I just gave you, you're going to add a half ounce, and you want to be careful, don't go any farther than that, of espresso. Wow, huh? Okay, so my first reaction to that isn't yuck or ew or what am I going to do? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's not yucky, it's delicious. Yeah. 
But if you're expecting a yummy pineapple beverage, it becomes something completely different. And you really, really, really want to give this a very aggressive shake. Sometimes when you're shaking pineapple anyway, it gets a little bit bubbly, Mm -hmm. like it froths up a little bit, and you want to get it to that point for sure. Because that helps, it's so weird. You can't really pluck out the taste of espresso in there. So let's go through this. So we've got spiced rum, pineapple juice, amaretto, and espresso. A little sweetener. And a little sweetener. And espresso. As I often do, and lately I've been taking a different tack when I test things on my beloved... Because I don't give him any clue what's in there. I did mention there's a thing in here that you normally would not drink because he's not a coffee drinker. He tasted it and he was like, I can't figure out what's in this drink at all. And I was like, great. That's perfect. I was like, is it yucky or is it just strange? He's like, it's odd to my palate, but I, it's not bad. I just, I can't figure out what it is. Which is exactly what I wanted. Standing on the deck of a ship and looking at your new home and being You're confused like, oh, about what the hell is going is, on over there. This is beautiful and tropical. Wait, something's Wait, different. is that a hut? Like a fucking hut. That is Poesia nectar. You can't quite place it, but it's still pretty tasty. Also, if you make this version and then put a little club soda on top or a little light ginger ale, delicious. Here's the easy way to make the mocktail. In lieu of rum, one of the things that people often substitute for rum, I've noticed, is white grape juice, which is great. Really? That seems so strange to me, but I've never tried substituting for rum, so what do I know? My thing is that if you substitute that, it just ups the sweetness so much that like, I feel like it needs a cut. So here's what I do instead. And play around, because you might want something slightly different, or this may give you a different idea. I would do, in lieu of the four ounces of, um, I would mix it at a four ounce amount. And the reason is you're not going to need all that. Save it for, you know, make multiple drinks. But I find if you go too much lower, it's really easy to screw up. Do you know what I mean? As you you make your proportions smaller, one little overpour will really like make it weird. So you're going to do two ounces of white grape juice. Two ounces of flat tonic water, like we've done before. Okay. Because it gives it a little bit more of that bite that alcohol would have. And it undercuts that that sweetness of white grape juice. And then you're just going to add like a couple drops of vanilla extract. And it just makes it a more complex fluid. It has a, a more complex flavor. And that's why when you're getting down to adding things in drops, if you halved this even, you would be in... It would be difficult to pull off. That's what I would use in lieu of your rum. In lieu of the amaretto, and another reason that I would say, let's not go with straight white grape juice there. I would use an almond syrup, but I would use either half the amount or I would maybe do like a three quarters and dilute it with like water and maybe even a little lemon juice. And then the rest of it is the same. You're still going to do your four ounces of pineapple juice, your splash of, you could probably leave the simple syrup or agave. Probably, yeah, that's one, yeah. And then your half ounce of espresso. If you're scared of the espresso, because it does significantly change it, you could drop that down to a quarter ounce, taste it, see if you like it, and then you can always add more if you want. If you add more and it goes too far, just pour some more pineapple juice in there. It'll work it it out. I feel like I just did a lot of fancy footwork explaining that mocktail. Um, it was a little bit more complicated to turn this one into a mocktail than some of them have Just been. like Gregor McGregor. Yeah, but it is quite a yummy sip. It was another one of those cases where often when I make them, 
Like I'll make them in the morning, the day we're recording. And so I don't drink the whole thing because I got work to do. But this time I realized I had had almost the whole thing done before, <laughs> like as I was writing it up. And I was like, that's a good drink. Yeah, that's um, a sign so. of a good drink right there. Yeah. So we hope that if you try Poesia Nectar, you enjoy it. I mostly just want to encourage everybody to experiment. Put things that, you know, are maybe a little unusual in a drink. The worst that happens is that it's bad and you pour it out. There's very little shame in that game. Uh, Somebody else might (laughs) like it and drink it for you. (laughs) Right? You never never know. know. You never know. We are definitely so thankful that you spent this time with us learning about this interesting Scottish scam artist. We hope we'll see you right back here next week because there's going to be more scam artists and more scam sauce. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you.